and welcome to the Yoga of Resilience podcast presented by Vera Bhava Yoga. I'm your host, Kelly Golden, here to guide you in an exploration of yoga and its relationship to resilience. I'm a writer, yoga teacher, dedicated practitioner, and exhaustive thinker, and I've been practicing and studying yoga since 1995 and teaching since 2003. This podcast follows my exploration of Sri Vidya Tantra and its direct application to our lives in all situations, on and off the mat. Through contemplation, conversation, wondering, and experience, we unpack the ways in which resilience is synonymous with the path and practice of yoga, and the ways that both practices support us in showing up whole and alive in the midst of hardship and challenge. Most of these conversations were recorded live with current Virabhava Yoga students, and you can find yoga asana practices affiliated with each episode on our website, virabhavayoga.com. These practices and conversations are guideposts on the path to living a resilient life. If you would like to explore with us more deeply, check out our programs at virabhavayoga.com and practice with our teachers online and in your area. This episode is fiery and pokes at some tender edges. In it, we explore the tantric teaching of how to alchemize the wound into the weapon. I challenge the modern attachment to trauma identification and call forth the use of the ego as a tool rather than something to be transcended or overcome. We go head to head with the idea that we can be anything other than wounded and then wonder about how we can engage more skillfully through reclaiming the woundedness rather than denying it. I hope it pokes you a little and inspires you to explore a lot. Enjoy. So welcome to our attempt at understanding how resilience and yoga are the same thing. We call it the yoga of resilience. We take our prepositions really seriously at Virabhava. Uh, this is not the yoga for resilience. It's the yoga of resilience. Um, reciprocally, you could say this is the resilience of yoga. Today, we're talking about a little bit of a pokey subject. Uh, the, the content of today's call is the wound is the weapon. Uh, it's a principle of Tantra specifically. Uh, I'm going to unpack it a little bit for you today on Earth Day. Um, maybe we can even understand it, stretch it macrocosmically to understand it on a planetary level. I hope I can do that. If I can't, I know that Rachel Durbin will. She's going to be picking up the asana portion of our class at 5 o'clock. Uh, so stick around for that. So I have an elder teacher who calls the dominant culture of North America the walking wounded. And I think it's pretty accurate. Um... I don't exist outside of the dominant culture of North America, so I'm not incredibly familiar with the way that other cultures uh, and places on the planet engage with themselves and with others. 
But currently in our world today, we are powerfully identified with our difficulties, our traumas, um, our triggers, all of the things that uh, associate us to being wounded are big pieces of our collective identity um, as citizens of the dominant culture in North America. To the point that um, we're creating these webs and engagements with each other that require um, certain behaviors to take place to be in honor and in support of our personal wounds in addition to uh, and understandably so, our collective wounds and our cultural wounds. So this is a fairly new phenomenon, right? This, this uh, recognition of self in relationship to the depths of our trauma and our wounding. Um, I have no opinion on whether it's a good one or a bad one. I, I don't think Tantra would either. Um, but it is relatively new. It's not something that has been going on for uh, centuries or millennia. And maybe to our detriment that we haven't spent time diving in and, and digging into the things that have wounded us. But because, uh, you know, and, and yoga talks a lot about this, and I often think it's quite misunderstood, the relationship of the ego and the work of the ego. A lot of... Uh, uh, Spiritual systems work to detach from the ego or disassociate from the ego. I don't perceive that Tantra is um, a system that asks us to disassociate or detach from our ego or overcome it or transcend it or destroy it. Um, rather, Tantra looks at our ego as a tool. So what it asks of us and what it requires of us is to bring um, our consciousness and the tools of awareness to bear on our personal relationship with our ego and the way that that relationship um, ripples, right? Creates uh, and expands into more relationships and impacts uh, in the world. So this uh, call that we have currently in our, in our world right now is to sort of shape or, or uh, sculpt our ego around our wounding and our pain um, is making it really hard to be anything other than wounded and in pain, right? And it has become so acceptable and, and even habituated that um, our, our woundedness is, uh, for, for, um, in some situations, in some places, are, is a, is our honor, right? And that's a, interestingly, and, and maybe not so paradoxically, very uh, warrior-like. Yeah, so many centuries ago when, when uh, the warriors were a class or um, a noble and honorable, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to call it profession, but purposeful path, um, it was honorable to carry your wounds, right? It was honorable to see your scars. It was honorable um, to have gone through battle and survived, right? So maybe that's the same relationship with we, that we have with our wounds these days 
is that our wounds give us a sense of honor, um, a sense of worthiness and a sense of respect. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. But how we utilize those wounds and the impact that those wounds have uh, on our small circles and then our expanding circles of relation uh, on this planet um, is worthy of reflection. Yeah, so that's all I'm doing. I'm going to reflect on this. In Tantra, they say that the wound is the weapon. Now, I think that most of us would agree that whether consciously or not, we're weaponizing our wounds all the time. Whether we're doing it from a place of awareness or we're doing it from a place of denial and projection um, or manipulation and protection um, or uh, awareness and skill, We are weaponizing the pain that we hold inside of us because a wound is a a way, uh, is a place in us that that is tender and vulnerable. And a weapon is, is an object or an instrument of defense, right? So we're, we're walking around with these pains and they could have come, you know, according to, according to yoga, there's a certain set of pains that you don't even have any control over. You get them when you're born, right? And then there's pains that you accrue by just living, right? Uh, the Buddhists say that suffering is unavoidable. And so this level of suffering that we carry inside of us is when we're unconscious, it's weaponized all the time to try to prevent greater suffering, Right, and it, that that plays out in, in all of us in really individual and unique ways, which I um, think is part of the beauty of creation is that we have such unique ways of engaging these sort of universal principles. So when we, you know, there's and you guys know these ways. If you don't know them as your way, then you've probably been the recipient of the ways that people weaponize their wounds, right? Um, Judgment, uh, rage, all of the the pieces of fear, anxiety, overwhelm, um, all of the the ways that we retract uh, or disassociate um, or resist, Those are all ways that we are weaponizing our wounds unconsciously. So Tantra says, this isn't a bad thing, but it doesn't have to be done unconsciously. So the nature of Tantra is, can we bring what's inside into consciousness? Can we dare see the truth and then make choices, discerning choices about what we see and what we know not by disregarding our own vulnerabilities or tenderness, but by honoring it, right? And then from those choices, can we then wield our weapons more skillfully and in ways that might uh, ripple in, in outward um, and skillful, through skillful means. 
So ideally, when we wield our weapons, even if it creates pain or separation or division, it has a longer range effect that maybe will will come back, not even to us, but to the situation um, with equal uh, and sometimes opposite effect, right? Always opposite effect, if you, if you know that law of thermodynamics. I think it's thermodynamics. Um, so it's a challenge because the first thing you have to do is agree that you're wounded. And the dominant culture of North America says, don't identify your vulnerabilities because that makes you weak, right? It makes you defeatable, uh, Instead, what, what the dominant culture of North America likes to do, and maybe other places, I can only speak to where we are, um, is to give us pride, you know, give us all of these ways to deny that we have anything wrong uh, until we hit these, these um, uh, you know, I think a lot of people call it rock bottom or these, these places where we can't avoid the truth of our own pain. Um, I think more and more people, the pandemic has brought more and more of us into that surrendering to that place and not trying to deny um, that we're walking around with pain and difficulty. And once we identify, it's so painful in so many ways. And, and uh, I don't want to say we're professional at this, but, but we spend a lot of time at Virabhava working with this specific idea, but it's so challenging and so hard and so difficult to even acknowledge these places of pain that the very first thing we have a tendency to do is then blame it on everyone else. Right? So maybe you have been the recipient of that blame or maybe you have been the giver of it. But blame and and all of its associated demands and controls and expectations, all of that is the ways that we're weaponizing our wounds. Isn't that spectacular? It's so simple, and it's happening all the time. Now, please don't hear me say that there are not causes outside of ourselves for the things that happen. I do agree and believe with that powerfully. But when the causes outside of ourselves for the things that happen become the dominant thing that we're fighting against all the time, then we're not practicing the alchemy of making our wounds our weapons. Rather, we're being subconsciously and unconsciously reactive and weaponizing our wounds. Are you with me? Are you understanding the difference between the two? When we bring consciousness to our wounding, even if that wounding was out of our control, And we start to recognize how that pain and that suffering has then shaped our relationship with the entire world around us. Then we start this process of alchemy. Right? So uh, I don't have the definition I should. But alchemy is transforming one thing into another thing. Right? So back in the the, uh, medieval times, they they kept trying to to... use alchemy to change lead to gold, right? To take one element and try to transition it into a completely different, transform it into a completely different element. And 
that is part of the work of what Tantra is asking us to do with our wounds and our pain is instead of creating systems of protection that require the outside world to adjust its behavior to meet us and, and therefore not ever wound us again, don't touch us, don't, don't harm us, don't, um, don't, don't repeat the same pain. Instead, what Tantra says is when we alchemize those wounds, we start to recognize that the opportunity to find strength and power from that place and then go out and live into the world rather than in protection or away from the world, trying to stay uh, defended from it, is a much more powerful and skillfully wielded weapon. It's a much more powerful and skillfully wielded defense. Now, it's important to understand that this defense looks longer than our identity and ego. And that's part of what a lot of people in, in our modern world aren't really on board with. Right? So what does it look like to have received the pain of the wounds that you carry and understand that your response to that pain, and, and here's where it gets you know a little planetary, but your response to that pain creates ripples that extend well beyond your mortal coil. Right? That time, when we're talking about true time and not your perception of time, time has existed way before you and it will exist way beyond you. And oftentimes alchemizing, turning the wound into the weapon means that we won't get immediate return and results on the ways that we seek power from our pain. It requires an agreement of patience and respect and honor that the work that we're doing now serves something bigger than just who we think we are or what we think we deserve. And, and I'll tell you this kind of ironic result of that is when you don't make it all about you, all of a sudden you are served. You reap the benefits. I can't even, like some of you are smiling, because you know. When you recognize that the choices you make in the world that aren't directly related to your gratification uh, or getting what you want or being happy, but are bigger than that. They may look like they're yours, but you know you can feel they're bigger than you. They actually make you happy even if they don't result in you getting what you want. Right? They're an access point to being part of something bigger uh, than just the identity of who you are right now. So awareness is the key and it's potentially the most difficult access point to working with the, the power that can be harnessed from our wounds. Now, a couple of things, a couple of like disclaimers I want to uh, say about this. To access power from your wounds doesn't mean that your wounds are going to be any less painful. 
It also doesn't mean that they're going to cease to exist or they're going to magically heal and go away and it's going to be like it never happened and your life is going to be um, rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. Like it doesn't mean that. It's to access the power from your wounds often means that we have to be intimate with all of that pain contained within the wound itself. Intimate to the point of recognition that it is a part of who we are. It's not a flaw in the system. It's not a breakdown of what should have been or could have been. It's a reclamation of the truth that this person that I am, that you are, and that contains all of these points of pain uh, is exactly as it should be. And that isn't a way to eliminate pain. So I just, I want to be really clear that I do not perceive that alchemizing your wounds into your weapons eliminates pain. But when we can become very intimate with our own pain, and that often means recognizing that though our initial wounding may have been out of our control, every reaction and response from that moment on has been within our uh, somewhat, maybe not completely, but primarily within our conscious identity decision-making, right? Even if it was not how we wanted things to be, when we start to feel all of that body protection messaging rise up in us and we don't see that that is rising up because of a pain that happened in the past and instead we choose to continue to engage with the present and therefore the future as if it was what it was back then, then we're making a choice in the ways our wounds continue uh, to wield their power, right? So what Tantra asks us to do, and it's the hardest part, and it's why a lot of people don't like this path, it's there's a reason that Tantra is like the moderate to severe path of yoga. It's not the easy, here's your rules, follow the rules, do it all right, you'll get great at everything, and then maybe if you're perfect enough, you'll get enlightenment. This is not the tantric way. And if that's the path you seek, first of all, I'm like looking at the people that are here. I know that it's not the path you seek, so I don't even have to convince you of that. Um, but if it is the path that your friends seek or your students seek or, or your fellow yogis seek, that's great. There is a path for that. There is a path of uh, striving to climb the ladder of perfection. And then when you get there, you get enlightenment and it disassociates you from all the pain and, and, and makes you, like, I would say, a questionable engager in the world as it is. Right? Disassociators are, are fun to hang out with sometimes, but when it's time to put boots on the ground and get your feet dirty and, and, and really do the work in the world as it is right now, disassociators aren't your, aren't your best allies. Right? So Tantra says, that's great, and there's a path for that. Go over there. It's awesome, and I'll tell you, most of the yoga trainings on the world, in the world right now are that path. So there's plenty of choices for that. 
But instead, Tantra says, stay here, get down and dirty, dig in for the long haul. Dare to take responsibility for how your responses and reactions then created more hardship. Whether you feel they're justified or not. Right? One of my favorite teachers, I don't know that I'll be able uh, to find this. Yeah. One of my favorite teachers, uh, his name is Bao Komalafe, and he just posted something on, on Facebook a couple of days ago. And he said, are we positive that the strategies, strategies that we're applying to save the world aren't actually causing the problems? Right? So when we're wounded and we're unable to recognize our own uh, engagement and reactivity to our own woundedness, we have a tendency to perpetuate the problems. Right? And a lot of times it looks like, do you guys have teenagers? Do you guys know teenagers? Do you remember being a teenager? Um, like the teenagers live in their, their own universe where they're the center of it and everything else revolves around them. Do you know this? I think it's, part, it's like developmentally accurate. That's what they're supposed to do is perceive that they are the sun and everything else is an orb that orbits around them. But in that place, they have a really hard time seeing how their understanding of the way the world works is what creates the way that the world works over and over and over again. Right? And, and, and I don't want to just put all that on the shoulders of teenagers. There are plenty of grown humans doing this all the time. It can't be my fault because something bad happened to me and I'm just trying to survive. It has to be everybody else's fault for not recognizing how tender and sensitive and vulnerable I am. Right? You know this game? Or it can't be my responsibility. I'm just doing what I need to do to extract the fossil fuels. Fill in the blank. Right, there's my Earth Day plug right there. Or it's probably more of a dig. Earth Day dig. Right? When, when, we, per, when we experience denial of our own engagement, we, have, we are weaponizing our wounds without consciousness or awareness. So when we perceive that we don't have a role to play in the experience that we're having, then our unconsciousness has taken over. And we are still playing a really acute role in whatever situation that we're struggling with. We're just refusing to see it. Right? Now, Tantra doesn't have, you know, part of the saving grace, the safety net of Tantra is it doesn't have these dichotomous uh, judgments around what's right and wrong and good or bad uh, and happy and sad, although that's just an emotion and those both exist. But it doesn't have, it doesn't categorize your, your involvement in a thing as uh, righteous or sinful. And that in and of itself is, is often a really hard cage to break out of uh, in, our, in our modern world, right? Whether, whether, we, whether we practice those dichotomies 
uh, or whether they were taught to us or not is sort of, it's not even an issue because we were all raised through that understanding, right? We all made grades in school. Uh, we were all put on a hierarchy of success and achievement and failure, right? So we were all taught uh, to categorize in these ways. And now what Tantra says is stop and just be aware of what's actually happening, right? So it's awareness is the catalyst for alchemizing the pain and suffering of the wound, the trauma, into the power that you wield, right? So you could give me a sword and I could probably make a mess of things, but I wouldn't, let's not even give me a sword. Give me a, a, a bow and arrow. I'm gonna, stick, I'm gonna stay away from the guns because if you gave me a gun, I'd just give it back. I have no want for it. Give me a bow and arrow. Those are kind of cool, right? Like there's even a whole uh, uh, arm of yoga that's about archery. So you give me a bow and arrow, really sharp arrows, I would make a mess of things, no doubt, but I probably wouldn't hit my target. Not even probably. I definitely would not hit what I'm aiming for, right? And if you gave me that bow and arrow and then set loose a a rabid tiger on me and said, the only way that you're going to survive is if you use this bow and arrow to kill that tiger before it kills you, I probably would not survive, And the fear of my own mortality would probably make me make an even bigger mess of things and maybe I would accidentally, I don't know how you would do it with a bow and arrow, but maybe I'd even shoot myself. Right? So most of us are walking around the world with a bow and arrow thinking that we're fighting for our lives some sort of wild and rabid animal, but we've never been trained on how to use the weapon. Maybe we are not even aware that there are skillful ways to use a bow and arrow. Ways that could benefit everyone. If, I, if, that, let's, if that tiger was rabid and I could take it down, I'm saving the whole community. Not just me. Right? So... Alchemizing the wounds means that we're willing to see that we're holding these weapons all of the time and we're wielding them often with power and force beyond what we even recognize ourselves as all the time. And those weapons can look like words. They definitely look like actions. They often look like choices. They look like how we show up in relationship. They look like our consumer choices. Everything we do is moving from this place of our own tender sensitivity. Right? So, I haven't even looked at my, I looked at my notes once and decided I was so far off of it I wasn't even going to look at it again, but I might now. Yoga. We don't want our weaponization to be right. We don't want to fall into that need to be correctly weaponizing. What we want is to take our wounds and get to know them well enough that we can start to aim 
in such a way that when we choose to wield the weapons, that they benefit not only us, but the greatest amount of people, maybe even the planet, that non-sentient, if there is such a thing, beings. And we don't like to do that because we don't want to feel bad about ourselves and we don't want to recognize that we create pain in others and we don't want to look at all of that because projecting and blaming and pushing it out there is so much easier than taking responsibility and accountability for our choices. Right? It's just easier to throw it off on everything else, on the world, on our family of origin, on history, on culture. And, as, and we're getting expert level at this, y'all. And as long as we continue to do that, we're going to be perpetuating the same throwing off of blame forever. The cycle that we're in, that we're so desiring to end, um, it's never going to end. And, and what I want to say is, y'all, let's do this work without the expectation that these cycles of pain and suffering and trauma and wounding don't end in our lifetime. If we're only doing it so it stops while we're alive and we can see the end and the, the, the last, I always refer to the last scene of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? When all the cartoons and all of the non-cartoons, everybody's singing together and it's joyful and the rainbows come out and the sunshine comes out, everything's wonderful. If we're all only working to do what we can so that that is what we get to live into, we're not, we're going to be really disappointed. The change that we seek is most likely not going to happen in our lifetime. So can we choose to alchemize our own pain to, to become skillful with the use of our weapons so that we're making change a hundred years from now or a millennia from now, right? That's the kind of power that we have the ability to wield from our pain, from our wounds. That's the level of weapon that Tantra talks about. So Tantra invites us to recalibrate our focus to turn the full scope, and I know this is hard in the world right now, but I am going to lay down the challenge, to turn the full scope of our awareness inward and to learn how to deal with what you find. Turn it all. Turn the full scope of your awareness in and learn not only how to deal with what you find, but become very accountable and responsible for the ways that you are contributing to the pain and wounding of others. I know that's next level stuff, but I think we can do it. Do all of that. Turn inward. Take accountability for your involvement with others. Take accountability for your own pain and wounding and then learn how to do it artfully and with compassion. Honoring the tenderness that's inside of you because I promise you, my friends, there is no one in the world that doesn't carry that tenderness inside of them. And until we can learn to care for ourselves and that's those sweet, tender, vulnerable places in ourselves, we cannot see that the world is not against us. Then sharpen your sword. 
Don't demand that the pain go away, but recognize that that sensation, whatever it brings up in your body, is overflowing with energy. This is maybe, maybe the great irony of woundedness, is that there is so much energy to be accessed in your pain. So much power in those gaping wounds, right? We've talked for a year now how tension is Shakti. And Shakti is the power of the universe. Think of how much tension and how that tension translates in your personal pain. I'm not pro-pain, I'm pro-reality, and you can't avoid it. I don't care what kind of yoga you practice. Let's please stop pretending that we could ever be holy enough to bypass pain. My teacher, Bio, uh, recently gave a lecture that blew my mind. Bold and brave guy, he called it the gilded interior. Can we stop seeking out the gilded interior, the inner perfection, the the retraction of all things bad so that we can be in our perfect space of peace and harmony? How what kind of privilege is that? And then once we get in our perfect space of peace and harmony, nothing can rock it. If nothing is rocking your space of peace and harmony right now, my friends, you aren't Paying attention. Stop being asleep. Wake up and see that this thing, this desire to make the pain go away is, uh, I don't know, it's a strategy of numbing. It's a privilege. And if you don't want to participate in the problem, then we have to start acknowledging the pain that exists. I'm not asking you to seek it out. I'm not a masochist. I'm asking you to get real with what's already there, what's probably been there for a really long time. And then let's decide what to do with it. Let's start to make choices on how to own it. That's how you alchemize the wound into the weapon. When you can determine that that pain inside of you holds so much power, you can meet it with tenderness and maybe even, I know this is a crazy thought, maybe even awe. Because that pain that exists as your wounding and your trauma, it has so much power inside of you that it's hard not to be in awe of it, that you've been carrying around this pain, this power for so long inside of you. That's, the, that's where Tantra gets really uh, magical because it's simply a reclamation of all the power you already have. And that reclamation necessarily requires you to stop identifying with it. Identifying with that power is, uh, I don't 
trying to think of a game. It's like a battleship of the ego. You're just trying to sink everybody else's battleship instead of keep yours and theirs afloat, right? The goal is not to sink anybody else with this discovered power. And I feel like this is why power has kind of a bad rap in the world today. But we all have it and we're all weaponizing it and we're all using it. The difference between power being categorized in the bad column and power being categorized in the good or positive or productive column is simply your personal relationship with it, your awareness that it exists and the ability for you to make choices about how you're going to use it. That's, it's that simple. I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it is that simple. The inward work is not about perfecting, transcending, denying, or avoiding. And the, it's not the, the gilded interior, as Bio calls it. Rather, it's about full reclamation and recognition that all of this pain, though it may have been inflicted on us against our will, is ours. It's your pain is yours and my pain is mine. And that every action, reaction, and response that we have, the cascade of uh, engagement that we have from that pain, that power inside of us, is our responsibility. And right there, just saying that, I feel a little exhausted. What does it look like to have to take responsibility for everything? I don't mean that you have to take responsibility for everyone, and please don't hear it that way. I mean, what does it feel like in your body to think nothing that happens outside of me doesn't find its source inside of me? And though it may initially, especially if it's not your way, you know, if it's not your habit system, though it may initially feel so heavy and so weighty and so difficult to carry that recognition around, it actually is very liberating. It is very lightning. It is very free. I say that we've, uh, <clears throat> the tantric definition of enlightenment is lightening your load. And it's not transcending or, I don't know, turning into a body of light and floating off into the esoteric realms. Enlightenment in Tantra is simply lightening the load by recognizing the truth of what is. And you no longer have to continually exhaust yourself with avoiding yourself, your own pain, others' pain, Having hard, conversation and having hard conversations and meeting other people in their personal pain becomes way easier. No, easier might not be the word. Lighter and more doable when you recognize that pain uh, is a part of who these people are and it's a purposeful part. When you can recognize my pain is a part of me and I can recognize your pain is a part of you, and we're not trying to heal it, fix it, or change it. 
then we can connect to each other. Then we can be together, like really be together. Then things will start to change. And yes, change will be slow. And yes, you probably won't see the perfect world in your lifetime. But man, isn't that worth the shift? To think that if we can change our relationship with our own pain, we can start to wield our weapons skillfully in a way that ripples outward for untold amounts of time. Alchemizing our wounds doesn't mean that we put our weapons away. So here's the, here's the key. It means that we apply discernment, choice, awareness, and consciousness to their use. That we begin to become more and more in integrity with ourselves because we begin to recognize all of the pieces of ourselves as a part of the whole, as a part of who we are. And then from that place of integrity, of integration, we can decide how to use what arises, the energy that arises in us, rather than just unconsciously and uncontrollably react. So we can start to make choices about our own needs and the needs of others around safety, around security, around the need for support and space, around care from a place that's not um, seeking, but is landed or rooted or anchored in the truth of how we feel and who we are and what our bodies are telling us and the awe-striking power that we hold. So maybe you still have to tell somebody to get out of your space, to back up. Maybe you still have to use harsh and strong words with people. But instead of it coming from the place of reactivity, the place of unconscious wounding, you're recognizing that the weapons that you wield are honoring your wounds. That's the alchemy, right? All of the goddesses, this is a, today uh, in America, America, Today, uh, on this side of the world, it's a day called uh, uh, Vijaya, Vijaya Dashmi. Vijaya Dashmi, sorry. Swati could correct me later. Uh, which is the last day of the spring uh, Chaitra Navaratri. So it's the last day of, it's called the day of victory. It's the last day of the grand battle of the nine nights of the goddess. So in the iconography of Tantra, the goddess, I don't have a, I don't have an easily accessible picture of her, but she always wields these crazy weapons, swords and shields and discs. And, and um, I'm trying to find one. I have really pretty ones on that wall, so I can't. Uh, and, and instruments and lotus flowers. Um, she wields all of these weapons. In one of her uh, easily recognizable forms, she's got a necklace of skulls and a, and, a, and a skirt of arms and she's holding a severed head. Like these deity forms are weaponized. But they're always weaponized towards the common good and not in relationship to their individual. And by individual, I also want to say this, your tiny nuclear family unit We don't weaponize ourselves to keep our kids safe when we're thinking about the greater good. I'm not telling you you're not going to keep your kids safe. Absolutely keep your kids safe. But recognize that that response that rises up in you is not alchemizing the weapons for 
alchemizing the wounds for, for this kind of skillful use, right? So when we start to use our weapons skillfully, when we start to apply discernment and say, I need to be rude right now, <laughs> I need to use harsh words right now, I need to do this or do that, right? I need to bring my swords or my shield right now. Maybe we still withdraw. Maybe we still lash out. But now when we withdraw or we lash out, we do it in honor of ourselves and in honor of the greater good. When we honor ourselves, when we honor the greater good, we necessarily honor ourselves. We don't do it because the other is an enemy to be destroyed. That's not an alchemized wound. We begin to move away from fighting against our enemies or others and into fighting for what serves the whole, ourselves included always, but not exclusive. So I, I, would, I would challenge you to reflect as I'm coming to a close so that Rachel can rock your world with some movement. I would challenge you to reflect on how many times your exclusivity is about this is what's right for me. That in centering yourself in your life, it excludes the care of other people. Then and only then, when we recognize that we're fighting for the whole and in doing so it serves ourselves, then and only then do we become Vera. Right? And that's what this game is all about. When there is a bigger picture, a more whole understanding, then we have alchemized our wounds to become our weapons. I hope that made sense. It made sense to me. But that doesn't always mean it makes sense to you. So if it did bring up stuff, uh, if you have any questions, if you have any things you'd like to wrestle with, I'm a big uh, fan of wrestling with these concepts, then I encourage you to reach out, uh, send an email, uh, Facebook message, Instagram, DM. Let's talk about it. Uh, I only get wiser by your questions. Uh, maybe I, I only get humbler by your questions because there's, so many amazing contemplations. Um, and I'm into understanding this more and seeing it from different perspectives. So please don't hesitate to start a conversation with me. I would be thrilled. Uh, if you know people that are interested in what we do, Rachel uh, is facilitating a 200-hour training right now. She's badass. If you're interested in uh, what we do or you have people in your life that might be, uh, we're not just for teachers. So you don't even have to want to teach yoga if you want to dive deeper into it. I dare say that there's plenty of people that have graduated from Virabhava yoga trainings that thought they were going to teach, but maybe don't even do asana anymore. Um, but we're not fighting against asana, we're fighting for yoga. Uh, and I'm a firm believer, a practitioner every day, that our bodies embodying our understanding and using our bodies to explore our world's necessary. Uh, so asana, therefore, is very necessary. And it's an amazingly beautiful, skillful way that we can dance with uh, our pain and our joy. So uh, join us. Tell other people about us. Thank you for showing up.
Hi folks, we hope you enjoyed listening. If you would like to access the asana practices affiliated with each episode, please check out our webpage, www.dirabhavayoga.com backslash podcast. And take advantage of our online classes, programming, and apparel by using the discount code PODCAST2021, all uppercase letters, to save 20% off everything on our website. That discount code is PODCAST2021, all uppercase. Thanks for listening.